left the village because, well, why would you? Everything we need is right here. The place where we grow the food, the place where we eat the food, the place where we go to school. And by the way, at school, you had to memorize everything just by hearing it because you couldn't write it down. Well, you could try it, but it's hard to write if your eyes are closed or you've got a blindfold on. Now, one day, the people of Shmozawazel got a bit of a surprise because that day they heard walking through the village what sounded like a new set of footsteps. And they looked at each other and said, well, they didn't look at each other. They turned to each other, or at least they thought they turned to each other. One of them, uh, uh, Bob, Bob actually turned to the tree and said, who is that sound? I don't know. Who is that walking over there? I'm not sure. And they walked closer to the sound of the newcomer. This newcomer, you could tell his walk because was gentle, was humming under his breath. And he kept stopping and saying things like, beautiful and wow, look at the sun. And whoa, that cloud looks just like Australia. Isn't that amazing? And they walked up to him and they were like, excuse me, what are you talking about? He said, I'm talking about this beautiful world in which we live. I come from the other side of, of this big valley. I come from the top. This is huge world down there. There's this huge world down here. This world we live in is absolutely amazing. Isn't God good? I love looking at all the new things. And some of them said, what, what do you mean looking? What sort of mask have you got on? Yeah, why are you wearing a mask? Don't you realize that if you have a mask on, you can't see the world around you? Oh, no, we do that on purpose because the world outside is a scary place. And if we keep our masks on, then we know where we are and we're safe and we won't go wandering into the dangerous bits because you know what? This is how we've always done it. And don't tell us otherwise. Anyway, this new stranger, his name was Rex. He would stay for them with them for, for quite some time. And, and all the time he would tell them about the wonderful things that he was seeing and all the other beautiful things outside of the village of Schmuzzlewuzzle. Some of them started thinking about maybe taking Now that was trouble because the elders of Schmuzzlewuzzle, the, the old men and women, the mothers and fathers, well, the grandparents, they had decided long ago that it was too dangerous to not wear a mask. But you know what they did? They went one night while Rex was asleep, gently, softly, a mask over his face. Now, if you are thinking it through, a mask is not that difficult to take off. And they thought, we have to make sure that this troublemaker keeps quiet. I know! Where's the super glue? They put the mask on. They put super glue on the mask. 
lots and lots of superglue. In fact, it was almost more superglue than mask. Right there, you see right there on above his ear, above his ear on both sides, that's where they put the superglue. And the mask was tight and they tried pulling at it and it, it wouldn't come. This man, this Rex was gonna be done for. He was going to be normal like everyone else. He would just have to learn to find where everything was in the village of Schmuzzlewuzzle. You know what happened? Next morning, I'll take that off because I want to see you guys. The next morning, Rex woke up, realized what they had done. In fact, he'd been expecting it for a while. He said, I so want this village. Yes, the world can be scary, but I want them to know how beautiful and how good it is. You know what he did? He had this mask super glued on right above his ears. He ripped it off. And right above his ears, all of his hair got pulled out. In fact, there was a little bit of super glue and mask still stuck there. And he went into the village that morning. And the, the old people were sitting there going, mm, at last, Rex. Hello, Rex. How's life with a mask? And he said to them, I took it off. What? I took it off. In fact, I want to invite anyone here who wants you to, to take the mask off. Because there is such a beautiful world up there. Won't you follow? Won't you, won't you come and explore it with me? Some of them got really angry. Some of them who had been listening to him though, they took their mask off. Some of them kept their eyes really tightly closed. Others kind of cracked open one eye. Wow! What a beautiful world they live. Wazzle was beautiful. The valley was beautiful. And this talk of the world outside was exciting. Now, maybe you should ask your parents if they've ever known someone from Wazzle. Because there are lots of people from Schmozzlewazzle living in our world right now. And if you guys have ever thought about yourself going, Oh, I've got to keep myself safe. I've got to keep myself protected from all, all, all the world out there. Well, yeah. But it helps if you've got someone with you. And that is what the people had in Rex. He knew what it was like in the world. as. He came, the people came to realize how beautiful it is. God has given us a beautiful, beautiful world. Why don't we pray this morning? Father, thank you so much that you are the light in the darkness. Lord, thank you for the fact that you came down to this world, that you, that you met us in our fear. Lord, sometimes, sometimes there are things to be afraid of. And, world can be a scary place. Sometimes it can be a dangerous place, Jesus. Lord, I thank you, however, that you've given it also to be a place of such I thank you for all the good there is. Lord, we don't want to live in fear. We don't want to live in darkness. We want to experience all the good 
that you have for us. Lord, help us to, to follow after you, to trust you. Keep us safe, Jesus, from the dangers of this world, but help us to celebrate all that you have done. Thank you that you would pay with ultimate cost. Lord Jesus, I pray for us as a church that you would help us to not put blindfolds on ourselves, that you would help us to not, not walk around as if this life right here is all that there is. Jesus, we look forward to the day when we see the new heavens and the new earth and the beauty of your presence. Open our eyes so that we can see you are good. You love us. Help us to love you and experience you. We're going to do our Bible reading together before we get our, uh, our friend Reg to come and uh, speak to us. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, could you turn with me to the Gospel of John, uh, John chapter 1, and we're going to read the first 18 verses. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never, ever extinguish it. God sent a man, uh, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about. This is the one when I said someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am. For he existed, he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the unique one, who is himself God, he, has, he is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. 
Let us pray and then I'll hand over to Rich. Father, thank you for your love and your grace. Lord, help us to live our lives with our eyes open to who you are. To not put on masks, to not screw our eyes shut, but to celebrate the God who is amongst us. I pray that you would give uh, the words to Reg, that you would speak into his heart and that you would speak into our hearts by your spirit. And that, that we wouldn't just hear this God, but that we would apply it into our lives as we leave from this place. God, even if we stay in the place where we are, God, but let us apply it into our lives. Bless us. Right, we're going to hand over to our illustrious Reg. I'm going to go on mute. Reg is going to go on, on go. So over to you, Reg. Thanks, Nick. This morning we're starting a new series of eight weeks looking at the first four chapters of John. Nick's read the opening and I want to explore it for a little bit. But first I want us to look at the end of John's gospel. He writes in chapter 21 verse 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one had been written down, the whole world would not have room for the books. And in chapter 20, verse 31, he tells us why he's written it. They have been written, these things have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John is not writing a biography. He's actually writing what could be called an evangelistic tract. It's a lot longer than most. But he wants to demonstrate that the advent of God-man, Jesus, on earth, and the purpose for being here is to bring us back into fellowship with his Father, with God. I want to start by telling two stories both based on science. The first one is in the late 50s, early 60s of last century now, when people were trying to understand how our brains work, or not in some cases, but how they work. How we see things was one of the experiments. Your eyes don't see things. All they do is they capture the image and send it to your brain which sees them. So they thought, well, how do we do this? How can we understand how our brains work? So like the village of Shemotawassel, which I've only just heard of, they conducted an experiment. No, they did not blindfold a bunch of people. They picked a naturally occurring phenomenon, newborn kittens. When newborn kittens turn up, their eyes are closed and they stay that way for a time. So these scientists, obviously without any ethical overview, designed an environment in which everything was vertical. So if you looked at it, you saw straight lines up and down, whatever the, sub, the item was. And into this, they put newborn kittens. 
the newborn kittens eventually opened their eyes and got used to their environment and lived quite happily. After several months, when they've discovered their world, these nasty scientists picked up the kittens and put them in the real world. Guess what happens? They keep walking into the horizontal surfaces because they cannot see them. Eventually they adapt. But the purpose of the experiment was to show that vision is an acquired subject and you can manipulate it. That's story one. I doubt we could run that experiment these days. The RSPCA would be upset with us. The second experiment, well, not experiment, the second scientific thing that's happened recently in the last 30, 40 years is we have discovered that whales talk to each other and that the sounds they make have meaning to other whales. We now think we can interpret what they're saying. They might talk about where the krill is or which is the good looking partner or when the dangers turned up with the orcas or the great whites or something else nasty. Interestingly, some of these cetacean scientists are thinking they have got to the stage where they can talk to the whales. Nobody knows whether this is true, of course, but they got to this stage. So what do you talk to a whale about? Possibly not the Dockers prospects this season. Almost certainly not coronavirus. Probably not the economy and what our home lives look like. Why? Because they've got no reference, which makes sense. They don't have an ability in their language that, as far as we know, to understand what we're saying to them. Why am I telling these stories? Well, we've just finished doing a series on Ezra and Nehemiah and the return of the people to Israel from exile. And since that time, the leaders of the Jewish nation were desperate to do whatever they could not to go back into exile. We've learned that in fact, the leaders understood why it happened. They knew why exile happened. And so they devised a way, they thought, to stop that happening. And eventually there were groups of people the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Levites, the political leaders, all of whom worked together sort of to come up with a load of rules that showed they were being obedient to God and therefore exile wouldn't happen. And by the time we get to the Gospels, those rules are well known. We know the Ten Commandments. Oh, do we know the 20 or 30,000 rules that form Jewish life at that time? Nobody did, but they tried. 
they wanted desperately not to be exiled. And see, they've got a problem. And I think we have these problems. Like the kittens, mankind has got an extremely limited view of this God. They've had 400 years of learning the rules about him and more rules were added daily. But it's an extremely limited view. Yahweh, God the creator, was this incredible, awesome being. They knew about his holiness. They could read Isaiah 6. They knew about his differences to them. They knew about Moses' shining face. They knew about his terrifying possibilities. In Exodus, the people say to Moses, don't get God to speak to us. We will die. But it's an extremely limited view of God, their father. The Old Testament only has 11 mentions of that. New Testament has 170 or more. You see, when Jesus turned up, it was like Rex in the story. He knew things that they couldn't see. And so when he arrived, they could not easily make this transition in their own minds of this awesome God who wanted to know them. And this had a significant effect on what Jesus could do because he obviously couldn't be God. He wasn't awesome enough. He wasn't awful enough. And that brings me to my second story about the whales. There are differences between us and God, just in case you hadn't figured that out. You might remember the story of Moses and the burning bush, which we think is fantastic. There's this bush burning and nothing happening to it. Think of it from God's perspective. He created the bush. He created Moses, created Moses' eyes. What's the big deal? So he can make a bush not burn. But think about it as God subordinating himself to his creation. God didn't have to appear in a burning bush or any other thing, but he chose to. He came down to our level. For humans, when we talk to each other, we do so with varying degrees of clarity. I might say something to Val and she'll hear something else because my tone was wrong and what I wanted to say, she heard something different. We think God is like that. We think if only we could understand the nuances of what God was saying, or better still, if he could understand the nuances of what we were saying, we'd get on a whole lot better. We want to talk to God about things of God. Things that he will give us access to. A lot of things he won't. 
In fact, it's no more possible for me to talk to God about what actually happens in heaven than it is for a blue whale to talk about Nat Fife's skills or whatever. It just can't happen. Isaiah in chapter 55 says, how can I talk to you? Your ways, God says to Isaiah, my ways are greater than your ways. There's, there's, no, there's no connection in some things. So we come back to John. John is probably 70, maybe 75 when he writes his gospel. He's reflecting on his time with Jesus. Three years, probably longer, because he was, after all, a cousin, a relative. Probably saw Jesus growing up. Probably didn't think much about him. Carpenter's son, Uncle Joe's a nice bloke. Who knows? But he starts thinking about this three years. This three years of walking around where they live. He's got these accumulated thoughts and feelings and memories and mission. And he wants to explain God in a new and unexpected way. In John 1, we read, He came to the world that was his own, but his own did not recognise him. He did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Think about that for a minute. God said, hey, people, want to be my kids? I want to adopt you. Going to take a bit of doing. God's condescension to us, coming down to our level. Jesus becoming man. Forget the burning bush. This was a real step down. And John is genuinely excited. 70 years on, genuinely excited. It is possible to read the opening bit of John's Gospel as if it was the dry opening story to lead to the biography. In the beginning was the word. The word was gone around. What did John do? Oh, John the Baptist. Yeah, this is. It's not that. I think John has written this because he is so excited about what he's discovered. And we read this again because John did, wasn't satisfied with writing it once. In the opening of his first letter, he writes this, that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which our hands have touched. This we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we have seen it. Absolutely incredible. And we testify about it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim what we have seen and heard. John is really quite excited. 
for an old man. Because he is old. But he's excited. This Jesus changed everything. Not just for me, but for, for all of us. And he wants us to understand this. He wants us to understand why God came here. Why God wants and asks and requests and begs us to be reconciled with him. He wants us to believe and be restored. And John's now going to spend the next 21 chapters of his gospel illustrating Jesus. It's a series of stories, a series of events, not quite chronological, but saying this is what Jesus did. Look, people, this is not the 10,000 rules of the Pharisees and the 8,000 rules of the Sadducees. This is God who loves you. Jesus tried to explain this. When we get to chapter 3, we'll read about Nicodemus, a religious ruler of some integrity. Jesus explaining to him had minimal success. He says, I'm talking about easy things. What happens when you get on the hard stuff? John, in his book, is saying to us, I learned about God in the synagogue and the temple. Now I have met him. It's not like I thought he was. My perspective has changed. It took three years of close and storied study and stacks of errors on the way. On my part, says John, and you reflect on walking through the Samaritan village. It's recorded in Luke 9. When the village didn't want them, so he turns to Jesus, hey, send down fire. We know that works. Elijah did it. And Jesus says, no, no, we're not into that. Or a bit later, walking along, talking to his brothers, hey, who's going to be number one? Well, actually, Jesus is number one. I'm going to be number two. No, you are. No. Didn't understand, did he? And then there were some surprises. He gets invited to climb a mountain with Jesus. And he is God's voice. And unlike the Jews, didn't die. He heard God say, this is my son. Or during the Last Supper, when Jesus says, you've got it all wrong, fellas. The servant leads. I'm going to die. Can I rise again? You'll be my witnesses. No, 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 no. You're, you're. I didn't understand. And during that last supper, they're sitting there, had a nice bit of lamb, bit of bread, and Jesus is talking to them. You know the way to the place I'm going, says Jesus. What? Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Sounds brilliant, doesn't it? Till Jesus says, sadly, I think, don't you know me, Philip? Even, I've, even after I've been with you for such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. They still had this mindset. God's there, we're here, vertical bars, intolerable, indecipherable language, but we know our place. Our place is to obey rules. Show us the Father. Anyone that's seen me has seen the Father. So perhaps, perhaps you and I are in really, really good company when we seem so egregiously to misunderstand our God. We insist on his rules. Those a little older than me, and there's a couple on the, the screen I can see, will remember growing up in the 40s and 50s, I remember the 50s, where church families had rules. No sport on Sunday, no cigarettes, no alcohol, certainly no naughtiness with the other sex. Um, no, we had rules. And the rules defined a Christian house. To a lesser extent, we're making the same mistake as the Pharisees. We wanted to understand our place, good thing, but forgot our relationship. Jesus came to restore that relationship. John, by the time he's writing, has understood this and writes his account. He includes a story about Jesus crying. Who ever heard of God crying? Of praying. And John 17 is brilliant. John also acknowledges the miracles he had seen happen. Things for which he had no explanation other than that God was there. So to me, this raises a few questions, which I hope it raises with you. Where do you fit in this unfolding revelation of God? Are you still a kitten worried about the verticals and running into the horizontals? Wanting a definition of God which I can understand? Sorry, you won't get it. Unable to fully accommodate God the Son with God the Creator. Or perhaps you're a whale trying to understand the language for which you have no reference because everything you've learned so far says it's not true. No matter how hard you try, this is beyond me. And so you argue, well, all I know and all I have is all there is. Easy answer. Finite, package in a nice box, can go away. Or the third option, 
Will you join with your older brother, John, in awe and unexpected intimacy with God, your creator, your Lord, your saviour? John 1 starts, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John 1, 1 starts, that which we have seen, which we have heard, which we have touched, this we proclaim. This is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. God radically changing his address to surprisingly live within me and each of you. Calling me to be his friend, John 15. Redefining for us who God is and what he wants and what he expects from us. I've just finished reading a book, which if I hold up, you probably can't see, or you might see. Philip Yancey, Reaching for the Invisible God. It's Philip's look at how do we get to know God better. Yancey writes well, and I'd recommend it. Jesus, who was fully man and therefore able to communicate with us and to live our life and to actually be touched and heard and seen, is also fully God and therefore able to be at home in heaven. He fully shares all of the attributes we say God has because he is God. So we go back to the beginning. John is excited. John wants to show us God. He knows that Jesus is God. He has heard God the Father say so. And he understands more about what is happening. And so he now spends the next 20-odd chapters talking to us. Philip said, show us the Father. Jesus replied, I'm here. John and the others heard his reply, and it changed them. And it's changed millions of others. Will you allow it to change your perception of God a bit further, a bit more? Will you allow Jesus to walk with you? In the next eight weeks, we're going to have a look at that. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. You are you. Thank you that you came. Thank you that you allowed John to see who you are and how much you love us. Help us to walk with you. Amen.